Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a walk with a guest to take a little wander into their life. This week, I'm stomping with presenter and author Jake Humphrey. Jake is one of the UK's best respected sports presenters, as well as being the host of the incredible High Performance podcast. Using what he's learned from interviewing some of the highest performing people across athletics, sports and business, Jake and his co-host Damon Hughes have released a new book called How to Change Your Life. In this book, they share five steps to achieving success. Ever since Jake agreed to come on the Stompcast, I've been so excited and looking forward to this. You know, I grew up watching Formula One and football, and because of the age gap or age difference, him being 45, me 33 now, I, I really looked up to this person as a presenter, as a person that brought us amazing entertainment each week from Formula One to, to football. And I've had so much respect for him leaving presenting effectively in the television space and going into the podcast space. It's obvious that he loves what he does. You know, to step away from the biggest gigs really in sports television and to go on and do a podcast, you know, you've got to have some, some real courage to do that. You know, and I, I really find that to be you know, something that's incredibly inspiring. So across these three parts, we're gonna have a great conversation, I know it. In the first part, we're gonna talk about the five steps in his book and really kind of glean from the conversations, the over 300 conversations he's had now with guests on his podcast, as well as, of course, the athletes and sports people that he's worked with over the years. Find out what are the keys to success? How did these areas relate to an all-important subject of happiness? You know, as we know in this podcast or on this podcast, you know, success doesn't always mean happiness. In part two, we're going to talk about that transition, you know, leaving the dream job in television and doing podcasting. And finally, in the third part, reflect on some of the most amazing conversations he's had with his guests and take away some real life lessons. This is going to be a great one. I can't wait for you to have a listen. And a reminder to everyone as well, you know, we're going into this new year. I know a lot of people have, are very, very self-reflective at the moment. Please do any self-reflection and introspection from a place of kindness and compassion. I see a lot of stuff on socials, people being hard on themselves. You know, really, really, please be careful that when you get up in the morning and you talk to yourself, you talk to yourself in the way you talk to a best friend. If you want more mental fitness content, of course, remember to check out my book, The Mind Manual. We've got Metal, which is M-E-T-T-L-E, the mental fitness app for men and of course my children's book both a better day and a better day journal right enough of that let's get cracking i never actually uh when i lived in i lived in london for nearly 20 years mm. never took time to just walk around parks in the middle of london there's something quite nice actually there you go well that's a great place to start so jake welcome to the stompcast first of all thank you so much for joining me yeah, like i'm a huge fan of yours I, I was saying as we kind of bumped into each other i've because you know you're you're in your 40s i'm in my 30s i grew up kind of watching you and all the sporting things that i absolutely love i'm a big football fan i have you know my family have got we've got petrol in our blood basically my granddad used to race in karting 
Um, he, was, he, he raced with Nigel Mansell for many years, very, very close friends of Nigel uh, Mansell. And, uh, you know, if it weren't for my parents being very worried about the risks of racing, perhaps I would have done something And also you're similar. too tall, by the way. I am too like, tall. What are you, six foot four? I'm six four. I'm yeah. too tall. It wouldn't work out. But then George Russell's pretty tall. Yeah, but he's, he's not, not, he's not Alex tall. George height. Yeah, he's not six three, no. six four. It wouldn't work. And the other thing I couldn't do, um, which my brother taught me, is that um, I wouldn't be able to fly, um, fly a fighter jet because it would blow my knees off. So when, right? you know, when you eject, so yeah, if you yeah, have to yeah. eject, you have to be a certain height. So they do like your femur length for that. So my brother I once went in a two-seater Formula One car and they said, oh, the maximum height is six foot two and I'm six foot four. And they said, oh, you'll be fine. <laughs> and they put me in. That's a very racing thinking, thing to say. <laughs> I do not want this car to roll over because I'm going to lose the first two inches off yeah, the top of my yeah. head. You've got a couple to lose, I guess. Yeah, I suppose uh, I have. I have. Uh, I mean, listen, well, welcome to the Stompcast. Thanks. And uh, uh, thank you for joining. I mean, uh, you just started mentioning about, you know, the parks and, and, and wanted to enjoy enjoyed them more. Are you someone that gets out for a st stomp? Are you a stomper? Or are we going to convert you today? No, mate, I am a stomper. I mean, I live in Norfolk. I live in the countryside. Mm. I live in the back of beyond. And I've got... I've got um, Two kids, one is a stomper, one is most definitely not a stomper. Yeah. So my daughter, Florence, like she has to be dragged out of the house to go and do something outside. Whereas Seb, our eight-year-old, he loves the outdoors. In fact, when we come to London, we like just coming down for little weekends with the kids. And every single time he goes, there's not enough nature. So he loves like being oh, outdoors. That's, and, no, um, that's a nice thing to hear from a young lad, really, isn't it? And of course, Seb great. named after... Sebastian Vettel, who is uh, an absolute legend and, uh, and yeah, a the hero of Formula One racing, brilliant Formula One driver. And I felt like when we worked with him back in the day on the BBC that he was misrepresented and misunderstood. And he was such a nice guy with such a great sense of humour, so funny, so like kind and generous. Yeah, I named Seb Humphrey after Seb Vettel. Yeah. Wow, that is quite. I mean, that shows a how much you, I guess, love. Uh, Formula One and yeah. B that you clearly do vouch that he's a good guy because he's a great guy. Wouldn't really name your son after someone no, you thought he's like no. that, that nice and so on. Well, listen, I'm so excited to delve into this. I mean, your podcast is absolutely amazing. The work you've done over the years is incredible, and you've got such a wealth of knowledge, both both in terms of your own experience because I think you've clearly been very successful and achieved so much, but also, you know, the premise kind of your podcast is really delving into different people's lives from various different backgrounds to kind of find out like. How are you where you are now? What are the things mm. we can learn? And I find it fascinating as I talk about this in terms of failures, that we learn most from our failures, not even our successes, but it don't always have to be our own failures. We can look at other people's success, yeah, other yeah. people's failures, not in a kind of mean way, like how you failed, but learning you know, from what people have experienced. So we're going to delve into all that and we're going to think about in part three uh, some of the people you've had conversations with and the, the kind of key people I guess that you've learned from. Part two in reverse uh, order we're going to think a little bit about you know why you left the dream job perhaps yep. to, to follow a different path which I'm really looking forward to delving into and here in, first, in the first part we're going to start off talking about your book. Now, this book was published on, I think, the 5th of December, just so to the end of last year. We're, so, we're talking in the, uh, in the new year, and you've really focused on you know, how people can achieve performance yeah. and success. Uh, and it's a great book because you've assimilated a lot of like, the conversations and things that you've seen uh, out there using science as well and brought it into this kind of step-by-step -step book. So I wondered if you could kind of talk us through what are those steps? Why did you choose these kind of five areas and how important it is for people to kind of apply this to your own life, you know, regardless of what you're doing, really. Yeah, it's great. And look, can I just start by saying it's a real pleasure to be on Stompcast with you. I'm an avid listener. I think it's fantastic. I, on the train on the way down, I was listening to one of your recent episodes with Lisa Snowden. Oh, fantastic. thank you. Thank you. And um, so high performance, I think, 
I think the first thing to, to make really clear for people, right, is that high performance is not about high achievement, right? It isn't about a fast car. It isn't about a big house. It isn't about all of the sort of traditional trappings of success that we would consider to be successful, right? High performance is about encouraging people to find their own version of high performance. And not only is your version of high performance very different to mine, but it's different every day. There are days when my high performance mate, I'll be honest, looks freaking brilliant. Like I feel I am flying. I'm having great conversations. I feel fantastic. I eat well. I make people around me feel amazing. I go to bed at night thinking that was a great day. Other days, my version of high performance is like, can I just get out of bed and feel okay about life? And I think that we live in a society where there's this constant need to be successful. There's this constant um, risk of comparing ourselves to other people. There's this constant voice in all of our heads saying achievement leads to happiness. None of that's true, right? This, this idea that when you achieve certain things in your life, you find happiness is a myth that I would love to bust because the truth is that I think people are walking around delaying their own happiness. They're delaying the golden stuff. They're delaying the magic thinking that when they get a big moment of success, that's going to lead to some kind of a joy, right? So like me and you having this conversation today, the joy is not 100 million downloads or a viral social media clip, right? The joy is you and me in a park together, two guys that have never met each other before, having a moment of connection, maybe messaging each other for the next few years, but having like a moment, right, that we share. So that's really the, the message I want to share from High Performance is that we're not a podcast about success. Mm. And I often know when people haven't actually mm. listened to it because they'll send, ping me some criticism on social media. Look, we've both been on the receiving end of that, right? Yeah. And they'll say, oh, the last thing I want is people who are successful talking to other people who are successful. It's not the conversation we're having. The truth is the conversation we're having is that successful people or so-called successful people have found some happiness somewhere. And a lot of the people who come on High Performance are considered successful by society, but they sit and tell us that they've never found happiness in their life. Well, who's successful? The person who's got the gold medals and doesn't have joy, or the person who has none of those natural successful trappings, but has happiness. So really the point of the book, How to Change Your Life, The Five Stages of Change, is trying to guide people through the fact that life is gonna be a constant challenge. There's gonna be great days, there's gonna be bad days, and actually your ability to adapt to those days is what really determines the outcome. It's a fascinating one, you know, because we spoke, um, I spoke recently with Rogan Chatterjee um, uh, on, on the podcast. Obviously, he's done, you know, podcasts for a number of years, but he's really passionate or interested in happiness. And that was exactly the kind of thing that, that he brought up, was that we often uh, confuse success with happiness or yeah, assume yeah. that there is a, there's a, you know, direct link, like the more successful you are, the happier you're going to be. But quite interestingly, you see people at the pinnacles of success. I mean, you've seen people across from Formula One, football and so on. And sometimes they're actually the most unhappy people. I mean, you know, recently um, Mm. it was talked about, um, I heard Thierry Henry talking about um, his experiences of of depression while playing. And you're looking, well, hang on, this guy, like he was at the, uh, you know, at at the pinnacle, you know, Johnny Wilkinson saying he kicked the kicked that ball, the drop kick, and then he had the most worst depression he's ever had and actually was anxious throughout his whole career. And I think that's something that I find so fascinating because we are, I think school teaches you a lot or tells you a lot that do well, do well on your exams, get a good job, get that mortgage and you're going to be happy. You know, we've created, and you'll be really interested in this, we've created the High Performance Foundation, which is a charity linked to the podcast. Amazing. And the job of the charity is to get into schools and to try and give these kinds of positive messages to young people, right? 
because we want to be part of the preventative mental health service, right? So getting in there early and explaining to young people that, you know, there's so much out there in society that is there to trick you, right? And if you can build your resilience, if you can build your empathy, if you can leave your opinion at the door, if you can put understanding at the forefront of the life that you live, if you can make sure that, you know, the person you talk to more than anyone else in your life, which is yourself, you're incredibly kind to, and you accept that actually, like... The brain is a muscle. Muscles get injured. Muscles get strained. You know this. You're a doctor. I still really struggle with the fact that, you know, when someone goes to the hospital with a broken leg, we know exactly what the treatment is. When someone goes to the hospital with a broken brain, the treatment isn't good enough. And not only that, but, you know, in society, we don't put looking after your brain to prevent that injury in the first place as high up as we should. You know, why are we not all... Why are we not all having therapy and counselling every week? Why is it still taboo? Why is it still not discussed? It's, it's mad to me. So if, if I can play the minutest part in helping to change things through the foundation, through the podcast, um, I'll be a happy guy. And, you know, we're going to hopefully get into every school in the UK and share some That's strong amazing. Messaging. Well, you definitely will help. And I think the big thing is, and you know, I've learned this over the last few years, is that the key is prevention and early intervention. That's where we've got to focus. Of course, when people are really struggling, we need to have good services that people can get to. But actually, you can achieve so much by going into schools and working on things like self-talk. Yeah, we had a guy actually on the podcast at the start of 2024. His name was Ben Bergeron. And one of his rules for life is don't get angry in traffic this idea that oh yeah sure. you know um have you heard the old proverb where there's a a farmer has a horse and it escapes and the villagers will come and go oh your horse has escaped that's bad and he goes well we'll see and then the horse returns with like five other horses and they say oh that's great you've got five horses and he's like we'll see and then his son tries to break in the horses right and gets thrown off the back of one of them and breaks his leg and the villagers go your son's broken his leg that's a disaster and the old man goes well We'll see. Yeah. The next day, they come knocking on the door to take people away to warn. His son can't go because he's got a broken leg, right? And it's this idea that there are always things in front of us that we determine so whether true. they're good or bad, right? You've got no idea if that thing that's happening right now is good or bad. So when that person that just bibbed their horn who's stuck in traffic is getting really angry and irate, that little delay in the traffic might be the thing that saves their life today or changes the course of their entire life, you know? For sure, and I mean, I've seen it in the opposite direction as well, in A&E, where you think if you hadn't have walked out of that house in that moment, yeah. you hadn't have gone there, then it wouldn't have happened, but you have no idea what other things will come before, or, or be before, and what will come uh, after, this so idea, it's so true. It be, mate, if you can just not try and control every element of yeah. your life, I think... And the biggest thing is if you can just really let go of that, it's, it's the realisation, you can actually have very little control of what happens, you can only control your reaction mm. to things. Yes, right? totally. Is, isn't it? It's like you get really angry in the car. All you're actually, you know, the one of the most likely times of a heart attack is when you're uh, driving because you get so angry. People shout and scream, get angry. The risk of heart attacks is imp- infinitely h- higher when people are driving in the car. They're stressed, cortisol's going, adrenaline's going, they're getting angry. You could literally give yourself a heart attack. Whereas if you breathe and let it go, it passes, doesn't yeah. it? Let it be. But no, it's amazing that you're doing that. And going back to that point, so I think that prevention is huge and working mm. on the mindset. You know, is this why you wrote the book as you did? And is that why you kind of focused on making it applicable for, for everyone, everyone? Isn't it? And that you kind of, your yeah. mindset towards life, not just about, because not everyone wants to be a CEO or like a top athlete or whatever. Like you said, and I'll be so much really about happiness. Right, Alex, when we first started High Performance, I kind of thought that was what it was about. Yeah. So have you seen the film uh, Any Given Sunday with Al Pacino? I haven't. Where he does this big speech in front of all the players. He goes, 
I want you to claw for that inch. I want you to die for that inch. I want you to fight for that inch. Very and it's American. basically a speech to a load of American footballers who are about to take part in a massive, massive match, right? And my take on that is that when high performance first started, that's what I thought high performance was about. I thought it was clawing for the inch. I yeah. thought it was scrapping to be the best you can be. I thought that it was getting the gold medal if you're an athlete, getting the Ferrari if you're a CEO, getting the, you know, floating on the stock exchange if you're an entrepreneur. I assumed that high performance was high achievement, right? And it's only through speaking to people, like you mentioned Johnny Wilkinson, right? He came on our podcast and told us when he won the Rugby World Cup, he was happy for 30 seconds. So is that a 25-year effort for 30 seconds of joy, not a reward, good trade? It? Like, it's not I'm great calling that a it? bad, it's bad trade. investment, that one, yeah. So we're all going through life That's very true. waiting to see the view and missing the climb. That's so and true. So the message on high performance is that you need to be really sure the view's going to be worth it if you're not going to enjoy the climb. Because when you start to enjoy the climb, the good bits, the bad bits, the average bits, it's freaking brilliant. Yeah. And it's really magical. And one of the big things is that people have this fixed mindset. So people have this idea that, um, oh, I'm the kind of person that gets really affected by other people. Oh, I'm the kind of person that prioritises um, all the trappings of a nice life and, you know, like, possessions. Oh, I'm the kind of person that can't enjoy bad days. You know, the truth is we're all in control of our brain, right? We're all a product of our upbringing. We're all impacted by society. But the brain is a muscle like anything else and can be changed and can be altered. So we wanted to write How to Change Your Life to remind people that even if they feel like that, if they feel fixed, if they feel that they're a certain type of person, it's not true. It's your brain playing a trick. And I remember when years ago when I suffered with my mental health and I went to see a, a counsellor. And again, it was a ridiculous time because I was on children's BBC. It should have been the happiest time in my whole life. And I felt this incredible overwhelm. And she said to me, um, she said, well, the first thing is, it's not true, because if these thoughts, they were like intrusive thoughts, right? She said, if those thoughts were real, you would have done something about it. You wouldn't be worrying about it, right? I was like, okay, that makes me feel better. Then she said, also, let them be. Just let them be there. And realise that it's your brain simply playing a trick. And as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, the it's relief like washed over it's me. It's like any of you start realising, you're like, a thought is almost like a leaf floating down a stream. And it's only, yeah. you've only got to deal with it if you pick it out the stream. Yeah? Oh, yeah. the bin, the celebratory moment. The bin, the do you want to hear, should we hear the bin yeah, on, on the podcast? a bit of ASMR. Oh, no, I uh, He's missed the bin, I'll finish <laughs> it you. throw it in. Aha. Love that. There's there the go. coffee made it. the bin. That is definitely a disadvantage of, uh, of London, is that there are no bins... I anywhere i know you've got to take the opportunity to go for a wee whenever you can meet a toilet yep. in london to use a bin and, and grab a meal you're like jack, meal. You're like jack reacher do you watch jack reacher or listen read the jack reacher books no i haven't actually like this no. military guy and he never he never passes the opportunity to have a nap get a drink or eat some food because in his line of work you never know when you might not be yeah that's true you never know when it um, might happen sounds like presenting <laughs> exactly exactly so this idea of control and and I think that I want people to realise that they are actually able to change. And these five stages of, well, the first one is dream. And I think I spent my life really as a dreamer. Like my sister tells me that when I was six or seven years old, I'd sit on the toilet and do television commercials. Now, I don't really That's remember cool. that, right? That's so cool. But she's like, That's I cool. hear you holding like a shampoo bottle going, hi. Get the new bottle of Timote, blah, blah, blah. I was like, really? <laughs> hi, Sebastian Battle, who's even racing right now. But hi, <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> nice to meet you. And then people that I worked with when I was like a waiter and I worked at McDonald's and stuff, they would say to me, oh, you always said you were going to be on the telly. And I was like, I, again, I have no recollection of having that thought in my head. 
But again, I obviously dreamed. And then when I was on kids telly, I wanted to be a sports presenter and went in to meet BBC Sport. And do you know what they said to me? We don't employ people like you. What does that mean? Said, well, I wasn't a journalist, hadn't had any serious journalism qualifications, right. and I'd never competed at a high level in sport. So they asked me those things. I said, no, I've done none of that. They said, we don't employ people like you. So I had to find another way in, which worked. And then obviously, um, after I've done Formula One for a few years, I left to go to BT Sport, and now I've left that, which we're going to talk about in part two. So I think, on reflection, my life has been about dreaming and then taking a leap. And the leap bit is the scary bit, but the leap bit is the one where what you don't want to be is laying on your deathbed with all these ghosts of missed opportunities floating around going, if only you'd have believed in yourself, you could have been here and done this. And I never wanted that to be me. The fight stage is the fact that people assume when you start out on these journeys, it's either success or failure. Well, it isn't, uh, it isn't a linear curve of success and failure is not a full stop, it is a comma. So it's dealing with that. And then climbing is about I guess dealing with when things start to go well and how you cope with that because people assume that part is easy but actually that part often can be how really did, quite how challenging. How did you cope with that? So when you did get, you know, when things, obviously you were doing the children's team, when you got into like the sport was always your yeah. kind of focus because you really did blew up as did mom, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, very, yeah. very quickly and you're like, wow, you know, you're literally presenting shows, literally millions of people yeah. watching it. How did you deal with that? Because all of a sudden that is a very quick climb, isn't it? It's yeah. like, whoomph. Obviously years and years of yeah. hard work, but all of a sudden, it's like with podcasts all the time, all of a sudden people start really listening and things like skyrocketing, like, oh, hang on, this is becoming yeah. something big here. But did you not find that with Love Island? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, kind of slightly different because in the sense of like, I had, I went on a show and suddenly had all these followers where you've worked into this, with yeah. the skill set that you've built. But I'd say over the years, I think almost like in a sense, from Love Island to now, I've worked very, very hard to learn to present, to learn to yeah. do all these different things. I was saying to you before, um, I should say it on your podcast, mate, I'm so impressed by your journey. You know, I think you actually, I, I see a lot of myself in the journey that you've been on because you, you're not just trying to recreate what you've done before and go on another reality TV show or retain the six pack and keep taking your top off on Instagram for a few quid with a partner or whatever, you know, like a sponsor. You've actually, you know, partly through trauma and partly through, I guess, hard work and desire and determination, you found, you know, like a genuine calling and a cause. And I think there's nothing more thrilling in the world than finding something that feels really purposeful. Thank I, you. I that means that, 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 mean, that means a lot. I, 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 you know, honestly, coming from, from you as well, like I've got a lot of respect for you. I say when, I, when you agreed to come on, I was like so excited about it, as the whole team were, to be fair. So it's just, yeah, it's just a real honour to have you. So, it's kind so in of terms of dealing with uh, stuff, I have to give credit to my mum and dad. And actually, you know, I think that, I think that the benefit of... Look at the size of that seagull, by the way. That is a big boy. That is, that's an entire meal right there. He's, that, that he's had high performance to get that size. <laughs> he's, got limp, he's got a low performance some lessons, limp. We should not... <laughs> yeah, poor guy. He's going he's gonna to fly around. He's happy enough. He's got, um, he's got the wings. So, yeah, I think coming from a village, like a little village in Norfolk, was really valuable for me at that time because, you know, before I went on air, for every single race I did in Formula One, for the entire time, the last thing I did was pick up the phone to mum and dad and really? say to them every single time... Wow. You know, I am really nervous that today's the day I yeah. mess it up. Today, I don't think I've got the minerals to be able to cope with this. I don't think I've got the talent the or the skill huge. or the ability. And my dad would just be like, you know, he's fantastic, my dad. And uh, Jacob, they call me still. And he said, Jacob, what's the worst that can happen? That's so sweet. <laughs> I, I love that, Jacob. I said, well, I the worst that. thing that can happen, dad, is that I mess it up and lose my job. And he goes, and then you can come home. Yeah. And that would make me go, you know what? 
that is true. The worst thing can happen is I go home. And we sort of try and do that with our kids now. You know, we have this, you know that lovely Tom Walker song? I will leave a life. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. say to the kids, like, wherever your future holds, wherever you go, no matter what the challenges are, no matter what the stresses and strains are of life, we'll always leave a light on. And you can just come back here anytime, from anywhere. There's a hug, there's a light, there's a cup of tea. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's a great message in life for that thing, though, that, with that point of... What's the worst that could happen? Because sometimes the worst that could happen is something bad. But yeah. Most of the time, 90%. I, it's funny if I saw a clip on TikTok this year, this morning, and this like eight-year-old woman was saying, they said, what's the one bit of advice you'd give to you know, a 20-year-old? Say that 90% of what you're worrying about will never come to pass or even matter. And I was like, do you know what? That's so true. It's like, what is the worst that could happen in most situations? And you were saying about like that ghost, not that ghost thing of like, oh, you're looking, you know, you're a 70 year old and you're deathbed eight year old, whatever, and you're looking back in your life. The worst that could be happens that you didn't try is actually most yeah. of the thing. We didn't yeah. go for stuff. That's the Correct. thing I'd be afraid of. Yeah, you're totally right. Have you seen the Mark Twain quote? Um, I spent my life worrying about things, most of which have never come true. And it's, it's a great phrase that it's all up in your so, head. It's so you know. powerful, though, because when you dig into that phrase, it basically means you're wasting time, but almost yeah, yeah. life energy. Like you've yeah. got like, I'm a big believer that every day you wake up with a certain number of tokens. You've got these tokens to spend. You can spend them worrying on things, doing something positive, you, you know, on happiness or working towards things. But you could easily spend 40 out of your 100 tokens a day worrying about yeah. stuff. So all of a sudden, you're, like, you're losing almost half of who you are to so worry. So true, mate. You're so wise. I've, I've had that all my life. I've always been a catastrophizer, right? I've always seen and feared worst-case scenario. And actually, what's helped me in that situation is that, you know this idea that action leads to motivation, right? So you're, if someone's listening to this and they're not feeling motivated and they've had something they've been putting off for ages and ages and ages, it doesn't work that next Monday they wake up and they're motivated, right? That's not the way it works, right? Action leads to motivation. You've got to do the action before you feel motivated and you find that actually it's the action that makes you feel great and you do more. I actually also think that action, in my case anyway, action removes anxiety. When I'm really worried about something and if someone's listening to this and they've got something on their mind, what's the action you can take towards solving the problem? What's the difficult conversation? What is the phone call? What is the action that you can take to move forwards? Even a tiny little bit. And I tell you, for me, it re removes anxiety because I feel like, do you know what, that's still there, but I'm taking steps in the right direction mm. to get rid of that. It really it's, almost, it's almost like, you know, I think of times when I was, I don't know, med school and I had like an essay looming over me. I always think back and think, you know, the best way to deal with someone when you're worrying about the essay is just to start, even if you put 20 yeah, lines yeah, on the yeah, page, yeah. you know that you've made a start towards it. Or 
if you've had a, you know, you know, for, uh, my mum always had the saying of like, never, never let the sun go down on an argument. It's the same kind of idea of like, not dealing with it is going to cause us delayed worry. Right? It's dealing with it right now, make the phone call and have that conversation. Say, oh, do you know what? My wife never lets the sun go down on an argument. I wish she would sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, if she listens to this, you might have a telling off when you get home. So there'll be another argument to not let the sun go down. <laughs> Harry, I love you. Always have, always will. Love you more than yesterday, less than tomorrow. Do you know what? Uh, <laughs> you're now in the good books. It's yeah. fine. You've won. Whew. We can re- we can relax. So back on to climbing. Speaking climbing up. Yeah. Let's climb into uh, into uh, ascend into a good space. Love that. So climb and, and your, the final part. So so what are the final pillars or pi- final parts of, of your five steps? So yeah, the final pillars. So yeah. So you've had the dream. You've done the leap. Yeah. You've had to fight to get there. And then there's the climb, and then there's the arrive. And I think the thing about climb, right, is that it, that that is an important one because it never ends. And it's all about just taking little steps in the right direction and also accepting that sometimes you go down again before you go back up. There's that great story of Edmund Hillary. Someone once said to him, you know, when you ascended your first mountain and you're standing on the summit, what did you think? And he said, well, I looked to my left, saw another mountain and thought, I think I need to climb that one as well. (laughs) So I think that that kind of covers both climb and the ride. You know, climb is is that constant push to get to the summit. But arrive, like, let's just be really honest, okay? The arrive never comes. Mm. The arrive never, never happens because as soon as you get there, the way the human brain is wired is that you want something else. You know, your walking boots that are covered in mud and aren't as loved as they should be. There was a day you bought them and we're really proud of them. Now you're yeah. just like, I'll chuck them in the corner covered in mud because the things that you have, you value less than the things that you want. And I, I think that's the important thing about, about the arrival. You know, if someone was able to explain to us how you can be in a place where you no longer want to fight and no longer want to arrive and no longer want to climb, I think we'd all be really happy. So what is the answer to that? Well, I think the answer is to accept that the happiness comes in the tough times, it comes in the fight, it comes in the climb. And that way you can actually enjoy those. You know, the the person that enjoys the journey is an awful lot better equipped to get to the end than the person just thinking about the finish. And I often think of, you know, like, you know, at the start of like 100 metres in the Olympics, Mm. I said this to my kids the other day, my, my daughter was, she wants to be an actress. And I said to her, well, at the start of 100 metres, you've got 10 athletes lined up in the final. And what do they all want to do? And she's like, well, they all want to win. And I was like, okay. And so does the win go to the person with the biggest dream of winning? And she's like, mm, no. I was like, right, so what's it down to? She's like, well, the person's worked the hardest and done the most training. So I would just, you know, leave people thinking about the fact that Whatever the ambition is, focusing on the summit, focusing on the arrival moment is not going to get you there any happier, any quicker or in any better shape. The best thing you can do is focus on the process, focus on your daily basics. Like we talk about doing it, do anything as if you were doing everything. So every little thing you do is how you do anything that you do. Focus on the little one percent. And we've done nearly 300 episodes now of high performance and we've distilled it down to three lines. Do the best you can where you are with what you've got. Wow. I don't think anyone can ask for more than that. No, I the think truth is no, where you are more changes you, you have to be able to change to adapt to that. Mm-hmm. Do you know, as you were speaking there, it really, I mean, that's incredibly wise advice. And as you were speaking, I was thinking about my time at medical school because yeah. medical school was a very, very, and actually, medical training is very hierarchical it's very step by step you go your first year med student then your second year third year fourth year once you graduate your first year doctor then your f2 then you apply a specialty then you're in the registrar oh training then you're, right you're climbing all the time thinking about yeah. it <laughs> there's, there's a very very like ladder approach to yeah. climbing 
and there was a great bit of advice given to me when I was in kind of third or fourth year med school by a consultant. And what he said is, I, I can remember being a third and fourth year med student as it was yesterday. I'm like 45, I'm a consultant now. I can remember being a second, three, third year med student as it was yesterday. And if I could go back, the thing I would say is just be present and enjoy it. Stop looking at the next thing. Because you do finish second yeah. year med school, like in third year, oh gosh, I'm third year now, it's going to get hard. And you do fourth year, then you do fourth year. You know, he said that my best days were the, were the present. Yeah. It was the moment I was in was the best time, but I was constantly rushed. I rushed all the way through my career. You registrar, and then you want to be a consultant. When you're a consultant, you're like, oh, I need to be head of department. Yeah. And I'm head of department, I need to be the head of the Royal College. It never ends, does it? It's and the, then you get you to know, the end and you, you realise, oh my goodness, the happiness was in all the doing. Yeah. Not in the arriving. There's a great, it's that saying of at what cost, isn't it? You yeah, know, it's yeah, like yeah. Your, your drive for like relentless success it always comes. Have you found the at answer a, though? Because I don't cost. think I have. Like, I talk a good game, but I still. It's the pro- I'm I think looking it's the at the next achievement, the next thing, and I'm yeah. still triggered by other people doing. Amazingly I'm getting better well. and better at it. I, I genuinely, what I do each day, which does really help me, is I just try to be so grateful for everything. So, I'm like, when I'm meeting you, I'm like, think of Alex growing up as a young boy on the sofa in Wales, watching you, you know, presenting, you know, BBC Sport and go to Champions League, and think, I am going to interview this guy. They watch growing up. Just enjoy it. And that's what I try and do. And it's easy, you're right, so I'm not every day get this right. I get annoyed about silly things and have to like catch myself. But I think just doing it each day and saying like, gosh, what would you have done 10 years ago to be doing this right now? And just enjoy it. Because life is so short. I mean, if you know, if you saw Sven, Sven Joran Eriksson's just said yeah. that he's got terminal cancer and you're like, what would he do to go right. back just a few Doesn't years and just enjoy it? Doesn't like two minutes since he was managing England? Yeah, it's like, it and goes it's changed. By it's like flash. my brain going back to that whole thing and like Beckham and all this, it just goes back so quickly and you realize that the magic Hello. is now, isn't hey, it? Off. You just actually had a squirrel attack you. A squirrel tried to make love to my leg, guys. Okay, a, can we a, get that on camera? That's a great point to end part one of the Stompcast. <laughs> the wisest thing we've ever learned is don't stand still too long. Stand still enough to enjoy the moment, but not too long. Otherwise, the squirrel will have you. Must have been the aftershave. It clearly was. It's good stuff. Thanks, all right, we'll see you all in part two very soon. Goodbye. If you're looking for more mental fitness content, check out my book, The Mind Manual, Mental Fitness Tools for Everyone and A Better Day and A Better Day Journal for Children. And if you have a man in your life, or indeed if you're a man listening to this, make sure you check out Metal, the app, M-E-T-T-L-E, Mental Fitness Tools that are designed for men. Download now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.